Hello, welcome to another episode of Creepypasta, the Creepypasta podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Kowalski. This is the show that we discovered last week, is the Let's Play for Creepypastas. We read a creepypasta and then tell you what it was like. Uh, it's If you don't know what a creepypasta is, w- w- wow, congratulations. I'm glad for you, because uh, I've dedicated myself to doing functionally infin- infinite numbers uh, of episodes of this show and reading a lot of these stories. They're virally distributed internet horror stories. Uh, generally, there is some level of uh, verisimilitude where they are either presented... Um, as as some sort of reality, or as uh, with a lot of the Reddit no sleep stories, um, hey, this weird thing happened to me the other day. I was was at work, and then there was a Cthulhu there, uh, and like that's yeah, it's all it's all good. Uh, where was I? What's this show? So this is, it's this creepy, is creepy pasta. pasta. <laughs> yeah, this is the show. Uh, I'm taking over. I, I'm Phil. Hi. <laughs> no, you can't. Phil is a returning guest. That was me that you heard uh, tooting at the very beginning, I think, of Jeff introducing introducing the show. I I, I had a little toot in there. Nah, I'm going to delete oh, that. okay. All right. <laughs> you didn't hear that? It's lost audio. It's our very own creepypasta. Ooh. And uh, returning to the show from last week's episode, podcaster, cartoonist, and author of Candle Cove, Chris Straub. Boo! I hope hope that got you. Ah! Oh! Oh no! Here's the twist. I didn't say boo. Whoa! Whoa! Ah! It was the ghost. It's a hundred ghosts. That's the other twist. You thought it was just one boo, but they all were all synced up full. Oh uh, yeah! Those were the like very the soft end. boos that all came together for that one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's like the end of Paranormal Activity 3. It's just, uh, uh, it's a hundred witches. That's the bad guy. It's not a ghost at all. Oh, okay. Yeah, well, that's not scary. Witches are dumb. (laughs) (laughs) They weren't even cool, like, old-timey witches. They were just, like, women in modern-day clothes. Stirring pots. They got long hair. That just describes a chef. Like, there's really Uh, no difference. One of of them was was Bette Midler. Another one was Kathy and Jimmy. And another one was, ah, who was the other one? Sarah Jessica, Sarah Parker. Jessica yeah. Parker. That just sounds fun. <laughs> that just sounds like a romp. So, uh, this, uh, this week's story, we're continuing the space theme with a creepypasta from creepypasta.com called The Darkness of Farside. This was suggested by Ryan S. from Twitter, and I know he listens because, uh, I don't get, I don't get Twitter suggestions except from listeners. Uh, so. Uh, Phil, if you want to fill us in what the, uh, Phil, Phil, I'll see, fill you twice. in. Hoo, hoo, hoo. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> let us know what's what, creepy uh, is how s- clever it is. Um, start us out with the, uh, the thing. Uh, yeah. The so recap of the, the story. name of the story is the darkness of far side, which is very ominous and creepy. Um, I thought it was going to be about the comic strip. That's not even a joke. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Same. I was like, yeah. this guy's, you know, going to. Unlock some secrets here about Mr. Larson. Well, it yeah, didn't happen. The, what Cowtools really it. means. I actually just, yeah. just to cut in here real quick, I forgot to say the joke that I wrote down for last week's episode for our story, Captain's Log. I was going to say, oh, you wrote I'm, down a I joke? did. I was going to say, I, I was sure glad it didn't take place in the bathroom. Hmm. Blah. <laughs> 
No, okay. you, have to, the race, you have to the get up and leave your apartment. <laughs> okay. Um, but yeah, so this was uh, the darkness of the far side. Um, the darkness of far side. And it, it's it's uh, a recounting of a mission uh, to the lunar surface. Uh, a secret mission, as we learn from this uh, Jim McGraw command, po- uh, command module pilot of Apollo 19. Um... Yeah, uh, Apollo's 18, 19, and 20 were cancelled flights to the moon, and uh, there's a horror movie that I haven't seen called Apollo 18 that has a similar premise of, oh, it was not actually cancelled, but spooky things happened. Yeah, and this has, this actually kind of piggybacks off of that movie, um, which I think is kind of cool. Um, So, we have this guy, Jim McGraw, um, it's sort of, uh, like, they, they go out to the moon, and, uh, they're all very excited, and, um, once the (laughs) lander hits the surface of the moon, um, everybody's all very, you know, uh, he explains about how they're going to the far side of the moon, so he can only, uh, communicate with the astronauts on the moon only with them for a time, and then once they get to the near side of the moon, they can communicate with uh, Houston, the base back in uh, back on Earth, because you know they use a lot of like uh, scientific explanations in this, which in some places I thought was cool, and in some places I thought maybe it was a little uh, belabored in this one, um, a little like Law and Order SVU explainy. Um, but uh, anyway, they um, they go down to the moon. And it's back and forth, him talking to the astronauts on the moon and him talking to the people on Earth. And uh, every time they sort of orbit the moon and come back to the astronauts, something more creepy has happened. Um, so the first thing... Yeah, the first thing is they're just like, uh, we found Apollo 18, which right. uh, was supposed to have crashed. On the other side of the moon, even. So they were yeah. like, oh, that's that's really strange. Um and then they uh, they go back around, and he asks Houston, he's like, what's up with that? And they like, they don't really answer. And of course, the other astronauts are like, let's go ride our bikes in it. Yeah. They give some explanation, and the guy uh, is like, don't give me some Department of Defense bullshit, or whatever he says. Yeah, so they're going around the moon and talking back and forth, and then eventually, uh, the one of he comes back and one of the guys is uh, is dead, and uh, the other guy's like, "They got him! They got him!" And the whole crater that they're in is like enshrouded in darkness now, as opposed to the fact that the rest of the moon around it is covered by light. Like for some reason, this one crater is like super dark, and they can't figure out what's going on inside of it. Um, and so he comes back to the other side of the moon and he's like uh he communicates with earth and he's like one of them's dead what the heck is going on and then from that point they cut off communication with that guy uh between houston and uh this 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 the guy on houston is like oh not again yeah Yeah. and then just cuts it off (laughs) and this was uh this was a very probably the the high of the story for me which is where he he says oh um the uh the other missions were were cut off you know they never came back in the first place and then he is like i'm going to do it anyway and he like goes to boost the rockets p- towards back to earth and he finds that they like didn't fuel him up enough to do this um right it's a little weird you'd think he would have noticed that in pre-flight yeah checks. probably <laughs> uh, but i don't know how 70s space flight works maybe, they, maybe there's maybe just they no dials from. they just it just was the thing always says full <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> 
Like, <laughs> they just taped he, it yeah, there. Yeah, he tapped it and then it, and then it went to E. So it's like, oh, shoot. <laughs> oh, I oh no. <laughs> um, but yeah, so he's just sort of uh, floating around there. He doesn't really know what to do. He's uh, going crazy. And then the um the the nature of the story is revealed as it says, uh yeah, I'm writing this all down uh right before I open the 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 airlock uh without my suit on so I die. Get sucked right out. Yep. yep, just like an alien from the movie Alien. Yeah. Well, I guess the alien, not the, uh, alien. there's yeah, only the one. Eponymous yeah. beast. Uh, I don't like to call I don't like to call that creature the xenomorph, because that's just science talk for alien, and that military guy was just making that up in the second movie. He just wanted to sound fancy, like he knew what he was talking right. about. The authority he put on he yeah. was, like, putting on uh, the But too. also <laughs> saying the alien from alien makes me sound like a goofus. <laughs> Everybody knows what I'm saying if I say Xenomorph. Yeah, the tall dude. Yeah. The tallest yeah. crew member of the Nostromo. Yeah, that, uh, you know, the the wiener monster? Yeah, that one. the huskiest boy. <laughs> uh, he, he had a real drool problem. Yeah. Uh, did not like John Hurt. No. <laughs> or liked him a lot, I can't <laughs> Yeah, tell. I liked him too much. I liked John Hurt way too much. Anyway, uh, I guess back to Darkness of Farside. Uh, now, I got the impression before recording that you guys did not like this story. <laughs> uh, I kind of liked it. <laughs> uh, I, I enjoyed the... Uh, uh, I got, like, evocative imagery. Uh, it kind of felt a little like... Like the Martian or something. Yeah. Like, oh, I, I can, I have very limited communication. Uh, and then it kind of has this interesting mechanic where he can only talk to Earth or, uh, the landing party and not both at the same time. That was very cool. I really did appreciate that kind of like mechanic in this. You know, I, after I read this one after I read, uh, the episode from our previous, uh, the story from our previous episode, Captain's Log, w- which had the, um, the, uh, like journal entries and, after reading that in this, I was like, oh, cool, we're gonna get some, like, cool, you know, he goes there, he goes here, he goes there, he goes here, um, out of this. And that did happen. It ultimately, I, I think it did sort of deliver on that. And I think that was probably my favorite part about, of, of this story. Yeah, and it doesn't, uh, it maybe goes a little too, I think it kind of goes a little too far with the, the monster. Yeah. So my thing is that the, the nice thing, the neat thing, and the, um, unique and cool thing about creepypasta is that the, they're short and so they're very digestible. Um, but that also means that they tend to be sort of, um, uh, creepy idea delivery mechanisms and they're almost not stories. And in, I think that in a lot of cases when you read one that's like, it doesn't matter how cool the, the, the conceit is. A lot of times I feel like the no ending was planned. And in this case, I felt like, you know, once the, once we got through the, the stuff about, ah, we're in the crater. Why is this crater dark? And that type of thing. Yeah. We are now into, well, I'm out of ideas. I guess he'll just kill himself. So, I mean, not to, not to demean the story because it is well constructed and it's, and it's well written. I liked the, the, um, the, the language in there that felt like, like I was hearing from an actual astronaut. But it's tough to get into that hole of why are, why are you writing this down instead of solving the problem? You know, uh, why am I being permitted to see this? 
Uh, yeah, I'd like to see a uh, like uh, astronaut Mark Watney stuck in a horror situation. Like, how would a need to survive must survive uh, super scientist, which every astronaut is exactly that, uh, deal with this situation? And instead of dealing with it, he's just like, "Well, here's what happened. Bye." <laughs> Yeah, I feel like it's too much a product of the conceit that uh, creepypastas like to play with the verisimilitude, the idea of it being a found, like an archival, like, how did we get our hands on this astronaut's last message? I don't know, but let's find out what it says. And I think that it can potentially be a distraction. That's a, that's just a a um a product of the form too. I mean, nobody. It's tough to read that over and over again. I mean, Lovecraft did it, where it's like, I don't know how much longer I have, but I may as well write the whole thing down. And it's like, well, to write all this down, you've been writing for three hours, and then at the end, it's <laughs> yeah, like the beast has been pounding on my door, and it's finally going to break in. You had three hours, and you told the whole tale, and you <laughs> wrapped it all up. Like that was very fortunate. <laughs> Yeah, like you got you got a, a deep one out front. Maybe maybe cut out all the part about the cults in Argentina or whatever, and just skip to like, oh hey, fish monsters from outer space are real. Deal yeah, with it. give me that first, and then <laughs> back up if you have the time. If you see the door's gonna hold. Yeah, it it uh it kind of. Because it goes through all the, like, dialogue, and it's very well formatted. It's like, mm, no, he wouldn't write all of this down with, like, quotation marks and paragraph breaks. Yeah, it's a little bit too pat, you know. And the thing with the um, the uh, the guy in Houston saying, it's happening again. It's like, <laughs> that's okay. I, I assumed, like, I didn't think this was a good trip to start yeah. with. So I was all right uh, without... Like, whoa, he really laid it out for me, you know? Now, was it... Was it just... I, I'm trying to remember now. Was this an audio recording he made, or does it specify that he wrote it down? Let's see. I came to the conclusion two, two days ago. Ah, yeah. See, that, if it had just said, uh, once I finish this... This, uh, like, audio recorder, like, this final log in the, in the capsule's audio recorder. I would, I would be like, yeah, okay, that makes right. sense. That would take him, like, maybe ten minutes to say all of this, and then the for, the actual formatting doesn't matter. Yeah, I think there's some cool stuff around, um, somebody recording it. It lets you do a little more conversational dialogue. And, you know, you can couch mysteries in, you know, this part is unintelligible, you know, the, the tape broke down here or whatever, you know, I mean, these are granted, these are all conceits that you have to rely on when you're writing one of these things. Um, yeah, I mean, I thought it was, a, I thought it was a neat idea and I don't know where to go after we received the idea. Yeah, that's exactly it. It doesn't, it, um, uh, I might be revealing my, my fanboy card a little bit here, but, uh, uh, I know you've referred to Candle Cove as a twist delivery mechanism, uh, and earlier you said that a lot of creepypastas are just, uh, uh, vehicles for delivering a, a creepy idea, and I feel like this one, uh, the creepy idea is not fully formed enough for, uh, but, but the, the vehicle is great. Like, the, the structure around the creepy idea, like, the story itself is all really well made, and then for some reason it has in this vague horror element like uh, uh something scary yeah, happened uh, <laughs> un unknown moon beast um, yeah, yeah to be perfectly honest and i'm not saying that this is a um 
I don't think there's a plagiarism here. I just think that, you know, it just shows that a lot of media can suffer from that. And it depends on the kind of horror you want. I mean, if you want to have, if you just want to experience somebody having a miserable time on the moon, uh, the, the, the movie that, what was it? Apollo 19, whatever the movie was. Apollo 18. Is 18? And then, yeah. yeah. Okay. But and then this is written uh, as a sequel, basically. Is it I really? Know. I don't know if it was actually conceived that way because this is about Apollo 19 where Apollo 18 crashes on the moon and something spooky happens. Oh, interesting. I feel um, like, I mean, boy, I kind of, I'm going to betray my personal peccadillos and like give the story even less credit if it is indeed a, you know, a, a essentially fan fiction for the movie because the movie delivers all of this uh, structure. And I also felt that the movie, um, once they had said, wow, there's something bad on the moon, uh, they were like, well, I don't know, the end. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so, I mean, it, again, it depends on what you get out of horror. If the horror you crave is the tense moments of, you know, maybe it's in the pod. Ah, it was in the pod. And then some scary happens, a jump scene. <laughs> Okay, like that's in the movie for sure. But then if you want it to get wrapped up without, we don't know, whatever, we'll, we'll never find out what happened on the moon archive footage buried in the, you know, Raiders of the Lost Ark warehouse. That's, yeah. that's where this went. So there was just sort of like, well, we showed you what we needed to show you. Well, goodbye. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, uh, I read through the comments and it looks like someone asked the author straight up, did you intend this as a follow up to Apollo 18? And he said, uh, I wanted to write a horror story on the moon and my, uh, curiosity watching that movie was what would a story like this be like from the point of view of the, uh, the guy, uh, still orbiting? And the answer is functionally identical. <laughs> Sadly. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. yeah, so uh I guess we'll get into the spookiest parts, uh but uh right before that I wanna recommend um if you guys liked this week and last week, go watch the uh very small sci-fi thriller Europa Report. Mm -hmm. Um it is about uh it's it they made it for like five million dollars or something and it is as good looking of a harm a sci-fi space movie as i've seen uh because it's mostly done through like the cameras on the ship and stuff which i guess is where they saved a lot of the money um but that's a neat little story about the first the uh the not too distant future and the first manned trip to uh jupiter's moon of europa because they think they found life finally uh so go instead of instead of reading any of these creepypastas <laughs> go watch that movie uh but um uh phil you go first on the spookiest part spookiest part of this one um nothing <laughs> <laughs> Not nothing jumps spooky. to mind um chris do you have something at the top of your head uh spooky stuff hmm. i'm looking at i don't, I don't see anything here <laughs> i, see I think that in the i think in the early stages that um it, it gets creepy like we and granted you kind of have to be a bad writer to throw that away so i guess i feel like i'm taking credit away from this poor guy um, but you kind of are settling in, you're ready to read something scary and they really do, um, build the, um, build it in the beginning where it's like, this is why we're going to the moon and it feels authentic. So I was sort of settled in for some good because he had everything established. It felt like, I felt like this guy was an actual astronaut. I bought the name Jim McGraw, especially I was oh, like, this yeah. is a good choice. <laughs> 
You know, he wasn't like, I'm Lance Breakneck. I work for <laughs> NASA CIA. And it's like, no, yes. <laughs> yeah. So I thought that that was, that was effective at the beginning when we're getting, when we're kind of getting seated and, and ready to enjoy this thing. Uh, but I mean, granted, that's not scary. My own sense of apprehension or excitement for what's to come. Um, yeah. F for me, it, it was just, uh, like when things were going bad and we don't know what they are. Mm -hmm. I thought that was pretty good. Just the idea of him being alone in that, in the command module floating around the moon. Uh, every time he was about to be in contact with a different group of people, there was a little bit of anticipation, uh, not to call back to Paranormal Activity 3 again, uh, but there's a scene in that where they tie the video camera to an oscillating fan. That's exactly what I was thinking of, yeah. It's just yeah. like, give me an, get an, give us an opportunity to see a pattern established and then break it. And, you know, I thought that was a great way to do it because honestly, you know, in the modern age, it's really hard to make make horror work because it's like because you put a camera there see the whole thing <laughs> you know but you get in the car and drive away <laughs> so yeah, there was always the, like the, the cell phone pieces. doesn't work or or you know they have to take some some goods away from the protagonist uh but yeah this was like the this guy is acting as a relay so he's only he can only get information in these intervals uh yeah and it, it was smart of them to set it in in the uh the height of the space race yeah. in 1973 uh rather than the i mean your urge would be to do this on mars and have it be 2150 or whatever but we go too far right and then now it's yeah. like you introduce one facet that's that's too much and now you've given the protagonist too much power or it's like well why wouldn't he have a way to record that or to communicate that or you know why would the government send you on this mission to do that in the first place i would love to have gotten a little bit more uh clarity on that in the story regarding why we went and i know that you know well yeah. we went to go check out the things that kill everybody once they get there that's what we're there to, to see obviously and that's fine <laughs> but i want to know more than like Let's send men to die for that. Because there are ways to retrieve that data without having three guys have a horrible, you know, two nights before their murder. Yeah. Let's let's check that out. Let's see what 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 if it's done right, or what if there's a reason that we're not aware of. Right. Do that. It's just like they just sent these guys down with the same stuff they sent the last guys down with. Like yeah, at the same in the same yeah, place to the yeah, to, to what like, they knew with would no be the same data. Thing. And he doesn't even right. seem that like upset about <laughs> about all the millions of dollars that were wasted on this. Ah, oh, it happened again. Yeah, it's like why go to the why go to that crater and then not tell anybody anything. We're gonna you're gonna go down there and. Is there anything we need to watch out for? No, it's going to be fine. Just go down. <laughs> oh, this thing is, this crater's dark, even though it's full sun above it. That's fine. Just take a flashlight or whatever. Just get in your rover and, and tart around on the moon, get a golf club, like plant a flag. They don't prepare anybody. So I think it's a little bit silly. Yeah, it's it's already a spooky idea to go to the far side of the moon. Just, uh, I feel like you'd build the tension a little better if it was like, all right, we're on a secret mission because we lost the spaceship on the far side of the moon and we know they're not dead for some science reason right we so, gotta get them back so good luck with yeah. all that and the astronauts went down to the surface with guns i don't know why they did that that seems weird uh but no it's just like they're just like oh hmm, those guys got killed by monsters let's just do it again yeah so that's 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 a rough one uh yeah but you know this is sort of the 
it again is sort of what you want to take away from your horror because there's we kind of go in the suspension of disbelief is is the knowledge that stuff's gonna break there's no way that they're gonna get there and say like we retrieved all the data we need and we're gonna go home safe so it's just how do we um hinder the protagonist how do we create these moments where stuff is going wrong and he doesn't get the information he needs in time and that kind of stuff that's where a story i feel like shows its strength yeah i'd like to read something else by this guy because he has the form down at least he's got the the language is all right and the the pacing is okay it's just the actual content of the story is a little lacking which not every idea is gonna stick as a writer yeah and i don't want to again he's clearly good i'm not trying to say that this guy should is no good and should give up it's 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 a good start for a story yeah let's let's really get into it guys uh i wrote the definitive creepypasta and it's done now the, the medium's ruined <laughs> yeah, they're all, Sam, it's slender man slender man and candle cove that's it yeah well, i guess ted the caver was uh outpaced both of those by a couple of years too so it's just the three that's it yeah the trinity i think that ted the caver was excellent it not really that we was. were talking about it but i wonder how much of its strength was the format too because it wasn't a straightforward story it was you know ostensibly a blog that somebody had abandoned and it had those real photographs of these claustrophobic Mm -hmm. spaces yeah because that guy was actually a caver uh and wrote like that was a 2001 before people were doing anything like that yeah um whereas you're never gonna get an astronaut writing an astronaut creepypasta (laughs) unless that guy the guy who records all the youtube videos on the space station comes back and decides to have a second career (laughs) and this in this format (laughs) yeah i love science but i'm just gonna scare people i just want to write 500 word horror stories Uh, yeah, so, uh, that's, that's gonna do it for this episode. Unless, Phil, did you come up with the spookiest part or no? The spookiest part is, um, uh, all of it. Okay, cool. Uh, yeah, you just totally crapped your pants. No, the non-spookiest part is also all of it. It's just an even keel. Right. (laughs) I feel like it's even spooky all, all, all across the board. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, Phil, where can, where can we find you online if we want to? I mean, I know where to find you. You can find me in the phone book. Um... You can find me on Twitter, at Sora Agrees. Uh, I, I do a couple of things. I, I know, uh, by memory, part of the Bible. And if you want me to come and do that at your church, I will. I will do it for money. I will dance for you for money, uh, and tell you the story of Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior. Um, <laughs> uh, what if it's like a foot, what if it's like a footloose church? You think you don't do the dancing part? There is, part? oh, it's, it's movement based. It's, it's hip. It's, uh, I can do, <laughs> I can toss some Michael Jackson moves in there, uh, for, oh, the, use outreach. for the kids. Yeah, you know. <laughs> um, but yeah. Phil, in, in another life where you weren't a godless heathen, I could see you being a really cool youth pastor. Oh, yeah, super cool. Uh, strap on your helmets, kids, and get ready to receive the Lord. <laughs> Whoa, hold on. I don't think that's kosher. Uh, wrong religion. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, Chris, where can the people find you? Uh, you can find me at chainsawsuit.com, and I do, I'm doing two horror projects right now. 
Uh, Brood Hollow, my horror adventure comic strip, is doing book three right now, so there's a lot to read. Uh, if Ugh, you haven't seen I didn't it yet. even start book two yet. Jeez, I gotta catch up. You what? That's. I, I finished book one and then stopped reading webcomics altogether. That's probably for the best. Uh, <laughs> and then I'm doing uh, another series that is just, it's only got two episodes so far, but it's called uh, Local 58. And if you liked Candle Cove, um, it's sort of the same type of, of horror uh, because uh, I sold the rights to Candle Cove, and technically I can't write a sequel to it. But I also didn't want to write a sequel, so that's fine. Let somebody else oh, do that. Oh, don't worry. Uh, I almost chose for you, uh, I thought it would be too much torture, one of the Creepypasta Wiki's sequels to Candle Cove. <laughs> uh, they are all very bad. Yeah, I, I want to give them more credit than I would, just because I know that a lot of people enjoyed them. But I've, I've seen enough of them where I'm like, I'm not going to climb aboard this thing. I don't, I, it didn't need further, um, explanation. And that's kind of why, like, I know I'm saying I wouldn't have written a sequel, but I liked the people who I, who I sold the rights to. It's the first time I've sold something like that. Uh, uh is there, is there any update on that when that's, when that's going to be hidden as uh, a sci-fi channel, right? The, yes. I mean, that's, it's still supposed to be, um, fall of this year, 2016. Um, as a, as the, the first season of, of this anthology, Channel Zero, uh, will concern Kennel Cove. But what I, what appealed to me about it was that they understood what I wanted it to be. You know, like, I like yeah. that it's vague and I, I enjoy that kind of horror. And of course, they're going to have to go deeper than that to, to fill a season with it. But they understood the, the core conceit that is not, I didn't write it in the story, but the place that it's coming from. And all of the stories that are, you know, fan sequels to Kennel Cove, they do not seem to understand what, <laughs> where it was going. It's fine. It wasn't, it's, it's not super obvious, but tonally, it's like, wow, what was this creepy kids show? And then the sequels are like, Oh, it's a torturer. It's a guy in a basement <laughs> who's a torturer. Okay. And it's like, I don't want that. I don't like that. <laughs> I, uh, I read one yesterday I did not know was going to turn out to be a Candle Cove sequel. Uh, it was like a lost episode creepypasta about, uh, Stick Stickly, the old Nickelodeon oh host. And at the very end, uh, he's like, uh, and here's your, uh, the show that you guys voted to be on this part of the block, Candle Cove. Ah. Yeah, you got used as a twist. Shucks. <laughs> Just getting parts off the shelf. <laughs> uh, and you can find me on Twitter at J3FK. You can go to funtimes.online and read uh, all of my stories. Oh, I forgot to plug this uh, last week. You can go buy a copy of Unknowing, uh, a horror anthology I have a story in and that I edited. Um and uh, I figure you. I'll, I'll also plug here. Uh, I bought a book uh, of short story, short horror stories by Chris uh, many years ago called uh, Icker Falls: A Visitor's Guide. Uh, I think that's still available on Amazon. And if you like Candle Cove and you like creepy pastas, this is a book of. Well, it's got Candle Cove in it and a bunch of stories that you have not read. That's true. Uh, because they're not available. Mostly not available on the internet. Uh, so, that's, uh, this is Jim McGraw, Command Module Pilot of Apollo 19, signing off for the last time.
Oh, see, that really worked out that the, the very end of both lines of those creepypastas ended up making a good sign off. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just, bye, 